Would you open your Bibles to the New Testament book of 1 John? It's in the back of your Bibles. Get to the very back and start to go to the left, and you'll find 1 John. We'll start in chapter 3 today and start in verse 11. As we journeyed through 1 John in our current sermon series, we'll talk about the basics of love today. And if you've been around for the past six weeks, then you know that we've been in 1 John, and we're about at the halfway point of this letter. And yes, this is the first letter that's recorded in the Bible that was written by John the Apostle to a church or a group of churches in Asia Minor, which is in modern-day Turkey. And for John, it's been about 60 years since that faithful day. He was fishing in his father's boat, and Jesus called him out and said, follow me. And it's been a long time since he left that family fishing business. And it's been a long time since he realized that he was one of the 12. He was on that varsity squad. Those memories are just decades in the past now. But because he's, he's one of the original 12, even though he never took advantage of it, there had to have some celebrity status to being one of those 12. He's been told, though, that he's the last one alive. The others have gone to heaven. Everyone gave their lives to the one that they follow. Some were sawed in two. Some were beheaded. Some were nailed upside down on a cross. And others were set afire. And now here's John. He's maybe a hundred years old. And he carries a burden. He carries a responsibility of being the last one alive who walked with Jesus. And so an old man sits, maybe with a long white beard, weathered skin on his face and his hands, his legs and his lower back, they're weak and stiff. But they say that his eyes are clear and they even sparkle when he talks about Jesus. So at the close, the second half of his letter, he writes this, and starting in verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, 
and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. This is God's word for us. This is a love of another kind that John talks about. Garrett talked about this love last week. He sort of introduced the idea of God's love. And his encouragement, Garrett's encouragement to us, was to take five minutes out of every day and meditate, let's meditate on God's love. And it really makes a difference. In our small group, we talked about this last week and how it really makes a difference to meditate on God's love. It's different than other forms of love that are common, that are common and that the world offers these types of love. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we trust him, he shows us the ultimate, the ultimate action of real love. And when we cross that line of faith, we're adopted into God's family. His spirit comes to live within us and change us from the inside out. In our bodily death, our earthly life and our bodily death becomes a graduation into heaven for eternity. First John chapter 3, verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. But where does this love come from? I mean, where, what, where, what, what is this otherworldly, other kind of love? I'm sure John remembers, I'm sure he remembers this moment in time that Jesus used words and actions to teach them about love. John was in the upper room, I'm sure he remembers that, and with the 12, and he remembers that night that Jesus was arrested and put on trial and then taken to the cross. And John writes about this in the Gospel of John in chapter 13, he says, uh, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In a few chapters, Jesus, he says it again as John records in John 15, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And then this hundred-year-old living legend, he looks around and he observes the world around him. 
in how people are making love all about themselves, their own desires. It's love is about how I feel or, or what I want. So he writes this letter to the church. And it's really love 101. It's the basics of love. It's, it's the first class of love. And I, I, got, I guess I should stop and ask, who taught you to love? How did you learn? How did you learn about love? Where did you learn about love? And, and was the teaching impactful? Did it make a difference? Because this might be the most important topic in our whole lives. So how's it going? How is your love life? How are you loving others? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That, that's what love is about. And so today, we'll just do six quick lessons on love from the first letter that John wrote in chapter 3. And the first lesson is that love is a command. Love is a command, which is really different than, well, it's, it's really different than, than what, we're, what we're used to with love. Because, you know, when we, when we think about love, there's so many different types of love, right? Like, I love my wife. I love a crunchy, crispy, green, savory Caesar salad. I love the Caesar salad dressing that my wife makes. I love a sunny day. I love a warm sunny day. It's the same word, you know, it's the same word but with different meanings. And in the Greek language, there's four different sorts of love. I mean, there's, there's, it, it, it distinguishes the, the different love. The first one is, it was eros in the, in the, in the Greek language, and it's, an erotic love. We get the word erotic from it. It's sensual. It's sexual. The second is phileo. It's, it's the, where we get the city Philadelphia. Phillies and eagles that are 6-0 and today. <laughs> Phillies in the World Series. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Yeah. It's a friendship. Phileo is a friendship love. And Eros is a sensual love and then there's storge which is a family love and you have moms and dads and brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and grandmas and grandpas and cousins and we love each other because we're family and these loves are all kind of self-centered though when you stop and you think about it they're about me and taking because eros is we see sexual love going wrong a lot because it's just not fulfilling anymore. Phileo love, friendship's gone wrong, they don't have enough time for me, and, and they, I texted them and they didn't text back quick enough, and all of that. Then there's the storge love, the family love, and we cut off family members because words they say or behaviors or, or whatever. Sometimes that's a good thing, but it's really, it's a self-centered these three, eros, storge, phileo. But the fourth love, 
agape. It's a God love. It's an others-centered love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should agape, love one another. And love is of another kind. And this love comes from God. And the first lesson is love is a command. When I was young, I was loved by my parents, but it just didn't complete everything I wanted to know and needed to know about love. And so we did a funny thing. I mean, we were teenagers, and we'd go to the beach and light a fire, and we would sit around a bonfire, and we'd actually talk about, we'd say, what is love? And we'd talk about it. And we didn't really have much guidance about what our experience was. And, and we talked about friendships and dating relationships, and I was searching for love and those sorts of things. When I stand before a young couple, a, a, a man and a woman, a husband, wife, a bride and groom, at a wedding ceremony, the way of love is a, is a vow. Do you take this person to be your lawfully wedded wife? to live together in the holiest state of matrimony? Will you love her, comfort her, honor her, encourage her for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, keeping her only unto you so long as you both shall live? That's a, that's a special love if you could fulfill that vow. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What kind of love is that? To love someone that's an enemy in your life? If you love those who love you, what good is that? Love is a command. Number two, second lesson is this. Love is an outward proof of an inward change. It's an outward proof of an inward change. In verse 14 in our text, in 1 John chapter 3, it says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Love is difficult. It's challenging. It's a command. But can only... Here's a good question. Does this mean that only believers, only Christians understand and know true love? And I, and I think it's yes. And it's not just to be exclusive, but because the love that God requires is beyond our own human capabilities. We need the empowerment and the strength of the Holy Spirit to love like God wants us to love. In in Earlier in, in 1 John in chapter 2, we looked at this a few weeks ago. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, you're a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Third lesson on love is this. 
Love has an example to follow. We don't just have this command to love without an example, a, a model, a hero in all of this. In his full humanity, in his full divinity, Jesus modeled love for us. And Jesus lived this life we could not live, and he died a death we were meant to die. And guaranteed, to love like God loves will be painful. It will be difficult if you're going to love this way. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But if you want to, and whoever loses their life for me in the gospel, you're going to save it. In our text in verse 16, this is how we know what love is. If you want to know what love is, this is it. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Love always has to have a sacrificial part or component to it. If you're going to love, it means sacrifice. If you're going to love, there is an example to follow, and that's Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. It says, walk in the way of love. Just as Jesus, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Fourth lesson on love is love is intentional. It's intentional. It's not an emotion. It's not an attitude. Do not wait till you feel like loving to love someone. I, I, I think about this a lot for us here at Nova. And for every local church, every local church, Nova included, is set up to love others. Every local church is set up to love others or set up not to love others. And I think a lot, what are the unwritten rules of a local church like Nova? What are the unwritten rules, or we call them cultural norms, it's a sociological idea, you know. What are the unwritten rules or cultural norms in unique Nova ways we do things that set us up to love others? And what are the, some of those things that we do in the cultural norms, the unwritten rules and stuff that set us up to exclude others or to make others not feel like loved I've got this I got this business idea and I'll share it with you we haven't I haven't launched it yet maybe you will it's an idea and the idea is I'm kind of going between two things one is call it um, secret church shopper okay or it's different, but kind of like the same. It's a TV show, really. Undercover pastor. <laughs> okay, so in Secret Church Shopper, you know, you, it's sort of a consulting business, and, and uh, you set people up with um, uh, hidden cameras on their, on their person, like a GoPro or something like that that's hidden. And then they go to a church that they've never been to before. The church contracts with them, and they, 
hire this secret church shopper. And they go, and they're just like, oh, hey, it's my first time here. And to see how the church responds to them. Are they loving? Are they welcoming? Are they kind to them? Are there all these unwritten rules that you're just expected to know, but if it's your first time here, how would you even know these things? Or undercover pastor, you know, you dress up a pastor, you give him a fat suit. Not everyone needs a fat suit. Not every pastor needs one. But um, then, you, you know, you put a wig on him and, you know, all the makeup and everything. And then he goes and, and interviews servants in the church and how they like the church and what they think about the pastor and the staff and the board and stuff like that. And you figure it all out. See, I think even though we present ourselves as a welcoming, loving church, which I really think we are, there are some things we can always sharpen up. And so we need to think about that. It's sort of like our open campaign project was, is, is someone said last week, uh, the, op- the, the new entrance, it's like our arms are wide open to the community saying, welcome. Man, I really hope that that's what it is. I have a friend that started a church last month and, and uh, he showed me pictures of their first Sunday. And they meet in an elementary school, in a cafeteria. And, and uh, they showed me pictures of it. And you know those, when you go to elementary school and you sit down on those benches, there's benches and a table, you know, to eat. And then the, the tables, they go like this and they're on wheels and you wheel them around, right? They use those. And they had about 100 people. And instead of rows, they sat in circles. And I said, why in the world would you do that? That's creepy. I mean, that's weird. You know? And he said, we want to get to know one another. This is set up so that we intentionally get to know one another, so that we could love one another. He didn't say those words, but that's the reason why. That we would know each other's needs and we'd be able to talk about them and minister to one another and pray for one another. God so loved the world that he gave. It's about intentionality. It's about setting ourselves up to love one another. How are we doing that? Fifth lesson on love is this. Love will cost us something. This is, this is difficult. Love will cost us something. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. What a great sentence here. Dear children, let us not love with words or with speech, but with actions and in truth. When you love with actions and truth, it's going to cost you something every single time. You can just blab on and on and on about love and how we love, but does it, is it backed up with actions and truth? Philippians chapter 2, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather than in humility. Value others above, above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but for the interests of others. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. And when Jesus said that, a young man said, who's my neighbor then? And then Jesus answered his question, right, if you know this, by telling the parable of the good Samaritan. Actions and in truth. C.S. Lewis said, to love, C.S. Lewis said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. It's not always going to be comfortable to love one another. And I'm grateful that when loving one another is difficult, it makes us vulnerable and it costs us something because God promises to walk with us in that difficulty of loving one another. And the last lesson we have today is number six, love will draw us closer to God. And I think this is encouraging. In 1 John chapter 3 in our text, in verse 19, it says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. It's going to draw us closer to God. In John 14, the gospel, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And in verse 21, it says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. You know, I think Nova Community Church, our church family, is entering into a new season. In our, in our new season is post-COVID. Our new season is new people finding a church home here. Lots of new people finding a church home here. And the new season is the open campaign project will be completed really soon. And our mission stays the same. It's the mission that Jesus gave us. He said, go and make disciples. And so our mission is we're going to make disciples that make disciples, that there's a generational multiplication there it's not just we're just going to make disciples and then that's all we're going to do we're going to make a disciple that then thinks i need to make a disciple and that disciple is going to say i need to make a disciple and i need to make a disciple and and we have it kind of built in because we're multi-generational but we need to be really intentional with this and I, and i think as we go in this next season as a church family, we're going to talk about this more at Leadership Collective. Many of you got invited. If you serve in any way here, you're invited to the Leadership Collective that's going to happen in a couple weeks. But our mission is to make disciples that make disciples. And we're going to do that by encouraging and equipping people to love others. That's just, we need to do that because this is what, this is what it's all about here God's love and us loving others. So we've got to be 
all about equipping people to love others well and to keep doing that. We need to be skillful in communicating with words and with our actions. We need to be really skillful at communicating, teaching, talking about, living out with words and with actions God's love and God's expanding kingdom. And we need to be confident in that. We're winning. We're on the winning side. We're not losing here. God's love and his kingdom continues to move forward. This new season is about us creating places and pathways for people to love one another. That's what we do. We need to continue that, create places and pathways. Today, this afternoon from 5 to 7, we're creating a place for people to love one another. And hundreds of people are going to be in our midst, people that you've never met before. And some that you invited will show up. But we have to do well and loving. Today, this is a big day for us. And we need to be examples of God's love for the lost and for the forgotten and for those who are finding their way back to God. This week, there's some folks and they're getting their uh, church family people, some servants are out there cutting, trimming hedges and sweeping parking lots, and, and you guys were all around this week. And a couple were trimming hedges, and they were throwing things out of the dumpster over here, and a car pulls up in the parking lot. And two women come out, and they said hi to him, and they replied hi. He said, how you doing? And, and one of the women said, I'm having a terrible day. And one of the Nova servants said, come on over here. We're going to pray for you right now. And I just, I looked out my window in the office and four people just gathered around with their arms around each other. They never met him before in their whole life. And they intentionally loved them. They were so vulnerable. They, that person could have said, are you crazy? Get away from me, right? Didn't happen. They prayed. And everyone was blessed and thankful for that. People are finding their way back to God, and God's going to use us. It's God's love, and it's about loving one another. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, it says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Amen.